Hello and welcome to episode 38 of God's Own Scale podcast, where it's not the size but what you do with it that counts. God's Own Scale is whatever you want it to be, no one scale rules them all, but let's not count 28 mil, shall we? God's Own Scale is sponsored by Coat Arms Paints. If you use the old Citadel paints back in the day, these are those same paints under another label. I'm using them almost exclusively along with Army Painter. Check them out using the link in the show notes. I do just about 28mm. In today's show, we go small, well, really small, as I talk to Mark Backhouse about his new strength and honour rules for playing Ancients Warfare in 2mm. I think you'll be as excited as me as to what is coming for these rules, which seek to recreate the largest battles of antiquity. Mark knows a thing or two about the Romans and what they did for us. As I speak, we are just over two weeks away from the other partisan, one of the most eagerly anticipated shows for years, as the hobby returns to the front public-facing wargame shows with traders, demos, participation games. I'll be there. But will you? That is the question. And what will it look like? Will there be a one-way system in place? Will it be a scrum of gamers with bulging pockets buying everything they can get their hands on? Will traders be able to show off their wares that we've only been able to see online for the past 18 months? Whatever, it promises to be a great day and I hope to see some of you there. I might wear a little badge uh, identifying myself, but if you recognise my voice and have a suggestion for the podcast let me know it'll be the first show since the podcast was established so it'll be interesting to speak to as many of you as possible for the first time shout out of the episode goes to the guys at the anything but a one podcast which is fast becoming my favorite podcast that i'm listening to i heartily recommend you go and subscribe to them and again there'll be a link in the show notes they are three American buddies who seem to have been gaming forever. Their episodes are around an hour in length, perfect for a commute. And they seem to have the same approach to gaming uh, as myself, which is basically to have fun, enjoy the hobby, enjoy the history and enjoy the game. Win or lose. I've nearly caught up with a back catalogue, which focuses on historical gaming activity. And they've had several very interesting guests on too which will no doubt be of interest to anybody who's been in the hobby uh, for some time. Thank you to everyone who has taken the time to comment on the new format. So far it's been 100% positive, so I'll continue treading this path until you tell me otherwise. I'll go into my hobby at the end of the show, but you're not here to listen to me waffling on. You're here to listen to Mark talk about his new project. So without further ado, let's talk about two. This is episode 38 of God's Own Scale and I have a returning guest in the hot seat. I always think of the the black chair in Mastermind whenever I say this, but I can assure you that the questions will be a lot easier than than Mastermind. I've uh, got Mr. Mark Backhouse with me. How are you, Mark? Hi. Hi, Sean. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. And yourself? 
I'm I'm good. I'm good now. We're talking, and we're settled <laughs> down, and I can relax. <laughs> it's one of those crazy, crazy schedules where you know what it's like. Modern life just gets in the way, doesn't it? Sometimes it certainly does. It certainly does. Still good to be on here, and uh, lovely to be able to talk to all your uh, listeners. Thank you for that, Mark. And uh, people don't need any introduction to who Mark Backhouse is, do they? They can open up a copy of Wargame Soldier and Strategy or have a listen to the podcast. And you're right there, aren't you? Yeah, I'm there most months there, you know, keeping guy with articles and, uh, yeah, writing something about all kinds of strange topics. I think it's about recon this month. So uh, there's some stuff there all about how different armies were able to... Uh, out scout their opponents and how you might recreate that on the battlefield in WSS this month. So look out for that. Fabulous. Fabulous. Yeah, I'll, I'll send, I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Um, we were just reminiscing before a press record. It was episode 12 uh, when you first appeared with me and it was July 2020, uh, which we think was coming out of first lockdown and just things was just starting to open up prior to second lockdown. So a lot's gone under the bridge. A lot of water's gone under the bridge since then. Yeah, yeah. We've had lots and lots of movement. I think a few of the things I was maybe sort of hinting towards maybe last summer have, sort of reached a bit of fruition now. And we're starting to see the uh, the flowers blossoming into an exciting new rule set I'll be talking about, hopefully. Um, yeah, well, uh, that, that, that's 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 why here the the clue will be in the uh, in the title of this episode, which I haven't titled yet. Uh, it might have said on the link I sent to you, episode thirty-eight S, and then I clicked a button accidentally. <laughs> 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 but uh, Mark, uh, on that note, what is it that you're here to talk about today? Okay, well, I'm here to talk about uh, my uh, new uh, war game set of rules called Strength and Honor which are a set of uh, mass battle rules for the ancient world designed for small-scale figures between sort of 2 mil, really, to sort of 10 mil, although actually they are sort of quite scale agnostic, really. They can be used for any scale, but they're really designed for small-scale uh, miniatures. And the game is to try to recreate some of the huge epic Roman battles uh, in the period from um, sort of the late Republic through to uh, the Imperial period in ancient Rome. Fantastic. And I was privileged enough to uh, see a very early copy of this. Um, yeah. And I think you hinted at it in, in the first podcast, didn't you, that this was on the horizon. But I think it was very early days at that point. Yeah, I mean, in the summer, I think maybe I had a bit of a chance just to sort of reflect on, on where I was and what I wanted to do, really. And I've been writing articles for some time, and I thought it was maybe time that I started putting pen to paper and actually producing a set of rules there that I could actually publish and get out there, which wasn't just a, a three or four page article in the magazine, but something a little bit more significant, which I'd really sort of play tested through and uh, got to a release of uh, a finished product rather than something which was just a, a quicker article. And uh, so I started working on a set of rules um, really because um, I wanted to recreate some of these really big, huge battles inside the Roman world that you read about inside uh, Julius Caesar's accounts of the civil wars or inside Appian, maybe, or Plutarch. And I, I didn't really find many sets of rules that were really pitched at that sort of scale of engagement. Most of the time, the rules maybe seem to be more focused around cohorts or around maybe centuries of soldiers. 
and often for sort of larger scales. And what I wanted to do was to have a game which actually had large numbers of legions on each side, which actually looked like legions as opposed to just sort of 24 guys in a standard, um, you know, who just sort of pulled out of the pub somewhere. I wanted them to look like proper sort of brigade-sized formations of troops. Um, so I started developing a set of rules. Um, and to begin with, they, they were under a title homunculus est, which translates from, from Latin as being something along the lines of uh, you're a small man, which I thought seemed like quite an appropriate title for a, a game pitched at you being a, a two mil general. Uh, and that was sort of my reference back to my days of doing Latin back at school where uh, they never properly insulted each other, but sort of called each other things like uh, you're a small man or uh, you know, you're, you're a, a dumbhead or something like that there, you know. Um, so um, that's what they originally started off with. And then I sort of have been developing the, the mechanisms for quite some time. And about summertime, pretty much the time I was talking to you, actually, I started hitting on some mechanisms that started to work and sort of fall into place. And I put the first drafts out and shared them with a few friends. And um, then I've been sort of developing them over the last uh, year or so. I've done uh, 15 different versions of them, I think, over time. I don't know which playtest version you got to see, Sean, in the end. I think it was quite early on, maybe playtest. It was, it was still called Homunculus Est at that point. Yeah, well, that would be back in back in the dark ages then, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> yes. It's, it's really sort of evolved since then, and I've been playtesting it very, very regularly. And um, it's really evolved and I think refined in something now, which I think is... Um, I think it, it, it started off being a good game, and now I'm, I'm really quite excited by it. every time I play it. I'm still enjoying it. Uh, we've, we, like I say, we've played probably well over 100 playtests now. I've been actually writing down every playtest and who wins and working out the odds for each army and things. And um, we've been really racking up the playtests all over the world with it. So it's, it's been really, really good. So it's been an exciting year. It's been a very, very busy year. Um, I never quite realised how much work was in writing a proper set of rules and making them actually good as opposed to something which was satisfactory for me and my mates to play. Um, and I'm hoping that they are now looking like a really good set of rules here that people will, will love playing and come back to and adapt and um, and keep playing with, basically. Yeah, um, there's some really interesting uh, concepts, I think, uh, that we'll get onto shortly. Um, but have you got a background in ancient wargaming then? Has, has that always been your sort um, of main area of interest? I, I've really enjoyed ancient wargaming, particularly the Roman world. Um, my real fascination is, is the late Republic, uh, really from the reforms of Marius through to um, the early principates of about the times of Tiberius. Um, and that's the time which you have all those great characters and personalities like Julius Caesar, um, Pompey the Great, uh, Marius and Sulla. Spartacus, of course, uh, Agrippa, Octavian, Mark Antony, Cleopatra. You know, they've got some really larger-than-life characters inside it, really eccentric figures. And there's also just an absolute wealth of battles inside this period, huge, great big engagements with tens of thousands of men on each side of it. And you really can't run short of battles inside that period to be refighting because uh, basically it's a, it's a century or two of, uh, near constant fighting um, inside the Roman world, and they've got such varied opponents too. It's a really sort of exciting time period, and one in which it's not just sort of uh, fighting opponents in the provinces or creating new parts of the empire, but it's also civil wars as well. 
um, and revolts and rebellions. So all kinds of really exciting things there to play out. And, and these battles are huge as well, involving, like I say, tens of thousands of soldiers on each side very regularly. I don't know quite how on earth the Roman Empire was able to sustain such armies, really, when you think about the, the, the perpetual period of warfare we've got um, during this period. So um, I think it's a really exciting time. So I've loved playing that uh, in the past. I've often played it um, when I first started getting into historical wargaming again when I came out of university uh, with proper figures as opposed to sort of... Um, plastic 172 figures or something that my sixth form pocket money would allow me to play with. Um, I started really uh, uh, enjoying buildings at 28 mil armies. Uh, at the time, I suppose the fashionable thing was Warhammer Ancient Battles, um, which was which was a really popular zeitgeist at the time there. And I, I really loved my games of those. But like I say, the main problem with that was that you'd maybe have 150, 200 ghouls or something representing... 50,000 ghouls and, and visually it was always good fun it was lovely to paint the figures but it, it never really captured the visual image of how I imagined a real battle would look like um, with the number of figures that would be needed for that and I, realistically unless I was big red back you know and I had uh, professional painters painting for me and a wife who was very 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 understanding who was digging a cell underneath my house like uh, like Simon has. Um, you know, there's no way I could afford armies of that size or the space to store armies that size there. Um, or indeed, actually even have the patience to even get the figures out of the boxes to put them on the table. So um, what I was really keen to do was try to develop a set of rules which I could play with a friend on uh, in an evening on a normal size sort of dining room table um, which was portable, I could carry to a friend's house and then I could unpack it maybe in 10 minutes and have it ready to play. And I could pack it away again after 10 minutes and, and be on my way back home again. Um, far too often I went to the club with sort of six very useful boxes filled with 28 mil figures. We'd set them all up and we'd play a few rounds and then it'd be time to go home again and I'd be exhausted putting them back in the loft again at the end of the evening. Um, and, and I just felt that most players these days don't have the time to paint such big armies. They don't have the storage space for it, and uh, they need to have very understanding partners to be able to sort of play out the sort of games I wanted to play on the scale I wanted to play them at to a, a, a conclusion in an evening. So another part of the sort of uh, the, the aim with a set of rules here was to create a game which I could play big battles in an evening, and typically at the moment, strength and honor games run to two hours to two and a half hours for a battle with maybe fifty thousand men aside inside it. Um, which I think is quite manageable for most people. And like I say, it's uh, in, in two mil at the moment, which I'm playing in for most of my games. I can set up the table and have it packed down within a, sort of a 10, 15 minute period. Um, and I can, I can have it all carried inside literally my arms um, to a show or to a friend's house. It, it doesn't take a huge sort of uh, back breaking pain to actually do that. So it's been really great and really um, emancipating actually to be able to just rock up somewhere get out of a few boxes five or six different armies and get playing um in many ways it's a bit like when a dba came out and people had a small armies that they could just suddenly have lots of different armies for uh, i think strength and honor hopefully will, will capture that idea that in fact you can morph armies into other armies you can have them sort of portable into a box and you can collect got to collect them all a bit like pokemon or something yes. you know you can literally have 
seven or eight armies in literally sort of one one or two file boxes that you get out and you can have a, a hugely different experience with each of the different armies inside it as well they'll all play very very differently um you know be it from the, the steady ranks of the romans through to the impetuous gauls and britons and germans through to this of uh slightly more uh mobile opponents like the numidians or the parthians uh, you can really sort of swap around the fighting styles and they'll play very, very differently on the battlefield and give you a whole new tactical challenges. So I'm sort of hoping that's going to be achievable for, for many people, that they can just have a few armies, they can roll them out on the table, they can enjoy lots of gaming, which is, of course, what we're all here to do. It is. It is. And I, I think sometimes it's too easy to get consumed by the modelling and the painting and forget that the end result for most of us, is that we actually want to play a game. Now, I, I know, for, for instance, Ken on the uh, uh, Yorkshire Gamer podcast talks about the Venn diagram of wargaming as to where, where do you sit as a modeler, a gamer, or a, a, a painter. Uh, sorry, historian. Historian, painter, gamer. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sort of more towards the gamer side. So th this really uh, appeals to me, to the thought that I don't have to go and paint uh, 228 mil figures to play. No, but instead, you know, you'll be painting um, 50,000, you know, hairy barbarians, uh, which which sounds terrible, you know, straight away. You're probably, you know, yeah. walking and thinking, I don't want to be doing that. But the thing is, I can paint 6,000 uh, troops quite happily inside uh, an evening of painting um, in two mil scale. Let, let's talk about that, Mark, because uh, you you mentioned the Pokemon thing. You've got to collect them all. Um, because you you haven't collected them, you've made them. Well, uh, well, this is the ones that I'm using for a lot of the pictures inside the um, inside the game, the photographs. Actually, um, nobody was actually doing two mil figures in the way I wanted them to look. Um, a regular miniatures do some beautiful lines of figures, but unfortunately, they're all inside little tiny blocks of, of twenty or thirty men as little tiny regiments. And it seems to be yeah. funny to be playing in two mil scale, which doesn't take up a great deal of space, but then actually representing most like a scaled down version of a 28 mil unit in yes. 2 mil. Yes. Uh, and yeah. for me, the attraction of going smaller is then I could actually have larger, more historically accurate units that take up a closer ground sp scales of space to the, the, the footprint they should really take up on the battlefield. So rather than using sort of 24 2 mil figures to be a legion, my theory was, well, you know, why not have five and a half thousand men as a legion or, you know, four thousand men as a legion on the table? So um, my original figures were all made out of um, MDF bases and they had um, a green stuff sort of smeared over the top of them in my sort of cruder sculpting style. And then they were sort of uh, very loosely sort of etched into with a sort of um, a crisscross sort of shape on it there. And then they were painted black. And then sort of individual figures were then picked out by um, the, sort of the colour of their shields and the colour of their helmets and their faces. Um, there's absolutely no detail on these blocks at all here, but each block was sort of representing either a cohort or a big mass of warriors. Now, you're probably listening to this and thinking, God, Mark, that sounds like a load of... Probably at this point, you could make a beeping sound, Sean, to cover it. Um, <laughs> but actually, visually, I think they look really, really good. They look like that's a scene at the start of um, the Battle of Gorgamola inside uh, Alexander, where you get that wonderful aerial sort of shot over the battlefield by the eagle. Yeah. Uh, and you get a sense of the sheer scale of a battlefield, what an ancient battlefield might look like. And also you get a sense of the formations, which are so rarely depicted inside 
bigger scale war game, even in six mil, dare I say it, that very rarely yeah. you actually get a proper uh, triple axis depicted that looks, you know, half decent. I've seen some good ones, I have to admit, but, um, mm. you know, often people don't put the time and effort into doing that and put down one base and call it a Roman Legion or something with sort of, uh, you know, 40 figures on a 30 by a 60 mil base or something, which is, you yes. know, it looks, it looks great and, you know, nothing wrong in that whatsoever. But for me, that's not a Legion. That's a, that's a cohort at best, maybe, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah. it looks pretty, doesn't it? But um, it doesn't get that same impact. You've, you've got a very different focus here in 2 mil because what you're doing is you're looking at the formations and the numbers much more than you are individual uniforms. We're not worried inside this set of rules here about the colour of the facings on your uniforms or your cufflinks or your shield designs or whatever else that might be that in larger scales you focus on. And in many ways, again, that's quite liberating for me because it means that um, with my legions, for example, and my warbands and things like that, there, they've all got magnetic bases at the back of them. So what I do is very simply, I just change the name tags on the back of them and suddenly uh, Caesar's veteran 10th legion suddenly becomes an unfortunate uh, legion going up with Varus into uh, the Teutoburg Forest or something to be yeah. massacred or 21st or whatever that might be yeah. there. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. you know, they can be whatever you want them to be with a simple change yeah. of a label. And equally, my uh, my Gallic war bands can suddenly turn into Spartacus's slave revolts, uh, great unwashed uh, levies sort of um, freed slaves. Or they could turn, for example, into uh, sort of Armenian levies, or they could turn into ancient Britons or Germanic war bands. And with a little bit of imagination there, that suddenly you're transformed for them to be something completely different, just with a simple change of a label. Now, I'm not suggesting every single unit can just swap a label and be something different, but it, it, it's quite, like I say, it's quite nice to be able to have sort of triple purpose or even sort of quadruple purpose out of many of the units that you actually get in the game. Um, that can serve for, for several different troop types and, uh, you know, uh, be adapted into other things there, which is which is wonderful because it means, obviously, uh, less painting for a lot of people and straight into playing the game, which is great. Yeah, which is what we should be doing. And anybody who wants to see pictures of these, just uh, check out Mark on Twitter and, and go back through his uh, uh, tweets because the, there's quite a few pictures on there, aren't there, I think, from... Yeah, from when you yeah. very first came up with this concept uh, to to uh, painting them and then playing with them. Yeah, I mean, originally I wrote the concept of making these figures back in um, WSS 90. I can't think what, I think we're at about 115 now, something like that now. Yeah. So, it's every other, so this must be about four, four or five years ago now, probably I made the first units yeah. and explained about how to make them. Um, and I've just kept making them ever since, really. But I've been fortunate because I've had a number of people who have said, oh, I like that idea. I'm going to start making figures like that. So um, we've got um, Marco over inside Italy who's been making a company called uh, Coral Miniatures, which basically has uh, imitated my style of making them, and he's been casting them up fully, so completed and sort of sculpted out in resin as completed right. units, which is great. And uh, we've got a chap called Tim uh, with Lasercast in Australia who's been making MDF versions of these um, in Australia there. Had a number of other people making their own scratch-built ones. And we've also got another British company who um, at the moment have developed a full range for Strength and Honor as well um, in 2 mil. So don't worry, you don't need to be scratch-building all your own stuff there. I'm not going to tell you the name of this company, but suffice to say they're a big player in the war games British market. And they've developed a, a full range for this game, basically, at the moment, which should be due for release about the same time as the main game comes out. And I've just been sent through um, 
some photographs of some of their latest buildings and units to go with that and, and they're looking absolutely outstanding as well but I can't let the cat out of the bag yet I'm afraid sorry um, okay. I was writing those I was writing those names down and then poised with pen ready to... Oh, sorry, I'm just going to spoil it there. Um, <laughs> but suffice to say that they're a company who you will know and love, who produce right. very good quality uh, products and uh, yeah. go to a lot of shows inside the UK and are, and are, are great people too. So um, I'm sure I'll plug them loads and loads and loads of itself. But for the moment, uh, mum's the word. Sorry. No, no, no. That, that's fantastic. It's just nice to know that they're coming and uh, they're going well, to be sort of in line yeah. with the release of these and, rules. So and it's, it's, it's really it's, something to look forward to. The thing is, we realise that not everybody's got uh, two mil uh, armies with 60,000 men or whatever inside them just up their sleeve. Um, that said, the rules are designed to uh, go with lots of different scales there. You could be using your own six mil figures, for example, if you've got those. Yeah. And you could maybe put together... Um, I would guess about four bases for your sort of typical 60 by 30 bases you might use maybe inside other rule sets uh, together as one sort of a unit to represent a legion. And therefore, for example, in six mil, maybe you were to have, you know, 120, 130 backers figures maybe or rapier figures maybe representing um, a unit typically inside these yeah. rules here. So each of the units is meant to be about five to sort of, 7,000 heavy infantry or maybe a few thousand lightly armed sort of open order skirmishers or cavalry possibly. So this is sort of each unit is, is a big scale unit in, in our, in yeah. our sort of concept and the rules. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so oh, we've, we've, we've talked. Uh, sorry, yeah. Sean, I'm going to interrupt you there. Yeah. We're also going to have um, top down um, cardboard um, uh, units as well that you can print off, um, which will be releasing around the same time as the rules, probably with the pre-orders of them. Um, so you can actually just print them straight off and play immediately straight away and get the hang of the rules as well. So um, the idea is being, you know, it's, it's not going to be something where you need to spend ages trying to get hold of these things. We should be playing straight away in excitement with our sweaty little palms as soon as we get hold of the rules. So. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's what a fantastic idea that is. Um, okay, so uh, we've we've heard about the sort of scope of the game and and how we might actually uh, get the figures to represent these massive armies and to fight these fantastic... I'm, I'm quite impressed, Mark, actually, out of that list of uh, names you said about Caesar, Pompey, Marius, Sulla, Agrippa, etc. I've heard of most of them, so I've given myself one. a little pat on the back. <laughs> well, well done. But when I give you your reading, your homework, you'll be able to read up. So by the time it's out... You could have you could have swatted up on all these people, and you could be salivating and getting sweaty at the thought of uh, <laughs> being Caesar or Agrippa or whoever you want to be there. So that'd be good. It, it doesn't take much to get me going, mate, in the, in this field. To be honest. <laughs> good right. Um, so, yeah. So uh, right. So we've talked about um, this the sort of scope of game. Uh, what are the key concepts then? What's what makes this a different game to your DBMs or your WABs? Okay, well, in terms of the, the scale of the game, like I say, it's pitched at a very different sort of tactical level. It's pitched at a grand tactical level inside it. And therefore, many of the problems come from your issues that a real commander would have had on a battlefield here, commanding large numbers of soldiers who, by and large, want to go forward and they don't want to do anything too too clever because they don't have that god's eye view of the, of the battlefield so they can't see everything that's going on there um, they won't react to things in the same way as you'd like them to as a commander and therefore you've got to try and plan your your tactics accordingly on the battlefield 
Um, so, um, for example, um, you, you wouldn't expect units to be moving from one end of the battlefield to the other end of the battlefield like they do, for example, inside DBM with your light horse suddenly uh, arriving to cover the other flank there, for example. And certainly compared with your WABs where there's absolutely no command and control and you just run around hedonistically enjoying waving your weapons in the air and screaming and charging every turn. Um, it, it's quite a different sort of um, command and control concept to that, really. And I think you'll start finding that you're in a struggle to coordinate complicated plans um, on the battlefield. And it's going to really emphasise what I suppose a Roman command would want to try to uh, do on a battlefield, which is probably try to maintain as much cohesion as possible into the, a strong battle line um, to probably wear down one flank and grind out a battle. Um, and also because we're playing it with small scale figures, we've also got big flanks and reserves open to us, which maybe inside larger scales we probably wouldn't have. Um, so I'm hoping that actually maybe creates some really different challenges for a commander than uh, playing inside, uh, you know, DBM, typically it's a 15 mil scale game, isn't it normally, or have as a 28 mil scale game, uh, and create some really different sort of tactical challenges for you. And makes you feel like you're actually a commander in charge of a, a large battlefield um, and you're going to get all kinds of things happening lots of reversals of your fortune at various points in the game that will throw you into a panic and the other side will grab the initiative at key moments and uh, you'll be in for a few shocks as the battle goes on which you've got to try and react to and try to keep a cool head to sort of manage your your army and uh, maintain their energy levels and their momentum going forward, really, to, to destroy the other side. OK, so um, starting from the beginning, then, are we talking about a dice game? Is it a buckets of dice game? Yeah, no, it's not a buckets of dice game. No, oh, sorry, to go through the key concepts of it then. So it's played on a, a fairly small table. So um, typically... Um, uh, a big battle could be fought on a six foot by four foot table. Um, you shouldn't need any larger than that unless you play the absolutely epic battles of the period. When we're talking epic, we're talking the Philippi's with sort of 19 legions aside or something inside them. Uh, for most of the battles, typically with less than 100,000 men in them, um, you should be able to play that quite happily on a six foot by four foot table. Many of our play tests we've played on much smaller tables. Um, Battles with maybe 30 or 40,000 men aside were playing on a four by four table or on a just a, 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 a like I say, a, a kitchen um, dining room table, which is two and a half foot by four foot. Um, and we can quite happily play a, a battle which is feels like an epic battle, even on such a small area as that. So you don't need swathes of space in, to actually play this out. So that's one feature of it there to speed that up and the movement inside it, because the game is uh in a lot of senses, very fast play. We've got a grid mechanism inside that. Um, and uh, I suppose that I've experienced lots of games with grids that I've uh, enjoyed. Um, I suppose particularly recently I've been inspired by To the Strongest. Uh, again, Simon Miller's rules there, so I want to doff my cap in his direction. And of course, Peter Pig as well have been playing around with some square 
square based games for a long time i suppose square bashing is the obvious one that pops into my head there um, but i know there's lots of other variants which use a similar sort of mechanism inside them there and obviously they have the speed of movement inside the game there we're not worrying about measuring so no tape measures required which again helps us to get a good game inside an evening uh, what else are you going to need for it dice yeah you will need a few dice each side gets its own what we call a command board and that command board represents the way in which before the battle takes place you allocate your sort of your strategy um for, for the you know the next day's battle and you sort of place your emphasis to your commanders on what you want to be doing so you can emphasize a more aggressive uh set of tactics inside the battle a more defensive set of tactics one based on some more mobility or one on trying to sort of outfox the opponent based on some more sort of strategic and cunning um sort of stance so you allocate some of your dice into different pools on your um your command board before the battle starts and that means you've got quite a lot of replay value to a lot of the battles because what you can do there is you can replay them another time and try out a, a very different a pre-battle strategy there for it um, but typically you'll get sort of somewhere between about five to eight dice you'll need to allocate onto that command board there and they get used up during the game they're used to allow you to have things like re-rolls of dice at key moments or to give you uh, benefits and as the battle goes on as your command starts to break down as the confusion of battle reigns then you have to expend those command dice there and invariably um, command will break down it'll end up being a uh, handbags at dawn for everybody and a big mess in the middle um, once they start running out and you'll get all kinds of errors and mistakes taking place after that point there um, in terms of the battle and there's a movement and things like that there uh, you roll dice for each of your units when you move them you roll a single die six so that's very very quick to do and that then turns into a number of squares that you can move with your units and it also um, allows you to maneuver as well and, and do some slightly more fanciful movements as well if you can pass maneuver checks but typically the units like to march forward but there's a risk in trying to do anything fancy with them um, if you get 5,000 men and try to get them to do anything, um, it, it's rather hard to coordinate them, even well-trained Roman legions. And therefore, you know, trying to carry out a big battle plan in which you maybe move 40,000 men in one direction is actually quite a task, especially for maybe a tribal army with uh, very little training. They've probably never gathered together in such large numbers before. Um, so the game sort of really emphasizes the idea that actually it's quite difficult to, uh, to maneuver and to sort of mess around with that. But ultimately, of course, to win battles, if you go head on against an opponent, it, it doesn't always result in a, you know, an, easy, an easy victory. Uh, and the sort of whoever can, I suppose, manage their risks the best and coordinate um, flanking moves and sort of maximizing their strength at the right time, at the right place into the battlefield, eventually, in theory, will hold up and be victorious. Um, the battles use just a handful of die six. Um, maximum, I think, you roll is three. Um, so you're not going to need buckets and buckets and buckets of dice for this all here. Just a quite simple a handful of dice is all you're going to need for it. Um, what else are you going to need? Oh, you're going to need some cards as well. Um, the game relies on a sort of a morale system in which as the battle goes on and bad things happen to your forces, you pick up what are called setback cards. These cards represent things like when your uh, legion might be pushed backwards, for example, or might be disordered in battle. Um, 
And as the battle goes on, you acquire these setback cards, all of which have got numbers on them, which you don't get to see. But you do get to see this pile of setback cards piling up in front of you as the battle goes on. Um, you also get disaster cards as well, which are even worse because they've got larger numbers on them. And they happen when units, for example, rout away or your general gets injured or killed or your baggage camp is looted by the opposing side. And as the battle goes on, you collect these cards without knowing what's on them. But you can get a rough sense of how your army is shaping up and how it's faring by the size of your pile and the types of cards you're getting. And each army's got an, an army breakpoint which your opponent must try to guess at which point your cards uh, of your opponent have, have reached that break point. And they're asked then to reveal those cards during the battle. And you then add up the numbers on those cards. And if it's higher than the army break point, then uh, you, know, you break your opponent's army, basically. So it's a sort of a, a game which is a little bit like um, playing pontoon or something like that, really. You're trying to guess all the time, have you got the right number to break them or not? And if you call it too early, then they get to discard some of their card, one of their, the highest cards, um, which basically means if you call it too early, it can actually set you back from breaking your opponent's army. So it's a little bit like a, sort of, yeah, a Mexican standoff, sort of who blinks first at a game sometimes near the end of it. And you get some really exciting, tense reveals of cards to try to work out if you can break the other side's force or not, uh, with much cheering most of the time, which is always really good fun. <laughs> I can remember uh, reading this mechanism uh, in, in the early version that I saw and being quite excited by it because there's a definite risk and reward element to that, isn't there? Yeah, it's where, all about like, gambling inside the game there. Um, yeah. And also... Where, where if, if things are going badly for you, you might want to risk... Yeah, cooking early. Yeah, and you might just get lucky early. inside it there. Yeah. Um, and that said, there are certain mechanisms to prevent your opponent from doing that. So, for example, using your command boards, you can put dice into the strategy pool and you can use them then to cancel out your opponent from, from calling early on you. Or you can use it to discard some cards as well during the game. So, again, it's that careful use of your command board there to uh, sort of weigh up the risks there and try and um, call things at the right time, really. Um, and we've had ones in which you've revealed maybe 20 cards thinking surely the other side must break and you come out one point too short and everybody cheers, you know, or, <laughs> or, or the other one, which, you know, quite often it is down to the last card and you flip it and suddenly you realise you're broken horribly. Um, and and that's been great fun to, to play test, actually. We've enjoyed, I think, every single game of the play testing. And that mechanism in particular always has gone down well with every single new player I've played it with, um, from young to old. They've, they've really enjoyed that fun and that tension there and uh, that immersion into sort of the nail-biting moment before the, the grand finale. Um, and it sounds like it sounds like that adds into that replayability that you're talking about from your command board at the start of the game where you're allocating these dice and then uh, the, the, uh, the con this concept of the, the gamble almost. Do you go for it or not? Do you hold on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and you can change your tactics accordingly. Yeah, I mean, that part there to it is, is, is absolutely gamey, gamey, you know, ultimately. And I, I'd like to say, I think this game is, is largely based very much on history. You know, I'm a history teacher by trade. Um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of research into the battles and that kind of thing beforehand. On it. But that's very much a game mechanism, which we just enjoyed. But we liked the way in which it built up the tension. And you were never quite sure 
of when your army was going to break or not but you always had a, a sense of it so i suppose as you see your cards piling up you're seeing your trooper from the back of the legions you know um happening to go and uh, collect water or something very quickly at that moment they're all needing a toilet break or whatever that might be and sloping away and you're just sort of sensing it in the battle line there from the faces of the soldiers nearby you and the clouds of dust and the, the you know the, the the difference of signs and things you might be getting from the battlefield about how things are going but without knowing fully you're actually going to stand or you're going to break um so it's a great way of building up the tension there and making it a really enjoyable experience I've got to say, I, did, I didn't read it as a game. I know what you're talking about, that it's it's a it's a unique game mechanism that you, you've you've put in there, um, where it's almost a game within a game, I suppose. But uh, for the reasons that you've just highlighted, I think it's very thematic. In oh, the very much so, yeah. You're representing yeah. a guy right at the top of the tree, aren't you, who's commanding thousands and thousands of troops. And to be honest, once they've said go... There's very little they can do about the well, outcome of the battle. Yeah, absolutely. And, and certainly, you know, the generals do play a role inside it, but they, they are largely influential towards the, the units nearby them once the battle gets going. Um, and in fact, actually, part of the skill inside the game is also in sort of the deployment phase because we've got a sort of a deployment, again, a sort of a pre-game inside it in which you effectively create a battle line and you place units down almost like you might maybe place your dominoes may be down uh, in a row you've got to connect to the previous unit that you place down and you've got to try and form a battle line um, and your opponent's doing the same as well at the same time as you and again you can use things from your command board like the strategy pool there to try to sort of redeploy in other places and jump around that sequence of placing but you're always trying to get one over on your opponent because ultimately once you're lined up it's going to be quite hard to sort of redeploy and, and move around your units there like i say you know five thousand men can't suddenly be you know foamed up and the commander suddenly says right boys we're marching three miles that way um you know in the heat of battle you know five thousand warriors will, will want to tend to go forward or stand still they don't tend to want to uh you know do some wild tactical movement there um, that only you would see as a commander, you know, two miles above the battlefield looking down on it. Real commanders didn't have that all-seeing eyes of vision that would allow them to do that. Um, so, I mean, that's another key concept, right? along with the, the grid mechanism here, that this card system here. Um, we've also got a system which um, you might recognise if you've played a lot of Crossfire or Blood Bowl, possibly, which is a sort of reversal of fortune, which is what happens when you basically stuff up doing something inside the game. And if you try and do anything too complicated, you normally need to make some sort of roll. If that's a, maybe a charge, for example, that fails to uh, reach the opposing side and hit home. Uh, a battle in which maybe a legion gets pushed backwards by its opponents. Um, if you continually roll ones on the dice when you're trying to move units, um, you basically get complete inertia on the other side, then we'll seize the initiative. Or maybe, you know, you, you put your flag down and you, you, you try and rally a unit and say, come on, lads, round me. And they go, no, thanks, boss. And they start clearing off. Um, these are all moments yeah. which you might have a reverse of a fortune in the game. And um, what that basically means is, is the turn swaps over to the other side and they then grab the initiative and can start activating their units. So one of the game, typically, uh, you know, you can activate many of the units inside your army at one point or another. Often um, the initiative will jump to the other side before you've moved everything. And a good player, an experienced player, will start learning how to sort of prioritize the order of their activations to prevent or to at least limit these reversals of fortune as the battle goes on um although 
uh, even with a lot of experience, they still happen and they still throw you just at the moment which you least want them to throw you, which again is great fun. But also I think the way in which a real battle would be in that you can't expect everything to go like clockwork, stuff stuffs up, you know, um, even in battles with veteran legions, legions often went off on their own accord and started advancing without orders because they wanted to show off and be the best legions warbands would charge forward because they were enthusiastic to try and show off their prowess to the others well maybe other units might not be quite as organized or quite ready to advance forward and or they might not even hear the orders on the battlefield even though your messengers are going over to meet them maybe they've got lost and you know these orders haven't got through so there's all kinds of chaos and confusion there built into the system um, which hopefully means that um, it rewards a good battle plan, but you've got to be pragmatic enough to adapt as things go wrong and to prioritise where you want to um, uh, try and push your opponents and to sort of steady the line. So, I mean, we're talk you're talking about a, a lovely, sexy word there called friction, aren't you, I think, which... Um, I could be talking really? about friction, yeah, if you want me to call it friction, I can call it friction. Uh, I'm just going to call it, so yeah, I mean, it's just the chaos of battle, really. It's there, it's built into the system. Um, you know, there's no sort of, um, well, it's, uh, it's, it's, I should add, it's going to be published by Ricewitz Press, which is obviously a, a branch of Two Fat Lardy. So there's no sort of uh, tiffin card or something that gets thrown up in there. But these reversals of fortune will happen that will throw things up in the air and um, and make you uh, have to rethink entirely or at least, you know, um, uh, make you swear and curse quite a bit, which is frankly <laughs> good fun. Uh, in Latin, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing we found is even people when they've won fairly decisive victories nearly always come out and sweat and say, God, that was a close run thing, wasn't it? There was that moment in which I thought it had really gone wrong, you know, and I think that's, that's exactly how you should be feeling as a commander. You know, there are no points of the battle should you feel 100% safe and guaranteed a complete victory. There should always be that moment of uncertainty, even though actually the victory might be quite total and quite um, quite dramatic. I think everybody's going to feel the, feel the pinch at some point in the battle. And also, if if people are coming away from a game and they're recounting stories from within that game, I, I think I think you've you've hit the golden nugget or whatever it is you know it's the, it's the pot of gold at the at the end of the rainbow isn't it where um you because gamers we want that immersion don't we and outside of and ancients typically i think historically has always been linked with uh, competition gaming and uh, you get these ahistorical matchups and i know i'm generalizing a little bit there but um yeah, you won't with be this, playing, um, you know, Sarmatians versus Mongols or something. So uh, this yeah. is very much a, a game which is emphasising history inside it. We're encouraging historical opponents. We've got a fairly small period of time currently for it at the moment. It's going to cover from, like I say, about 105 from the Marian reforms BC through to about 200 AD. We are hoping to carry out some expansions for it later on uh, to go back to the earlier Republic to look at the Macedonian Wars and to uh, the Punic Wars as well, and then go forward into this later Roman and Byzantine period as well. Um, so we've got some plans, and we've been playtesting some elements of that as well. Um, but very much, it, we're looking at some quite a focused historical time period here, um, and we're looking for it very much to be a, sort of a, a non-competitive set of gaming rules here. This is something where we're meant to have a laugh with our mates. It's good fun. But, it, you know, win, lose, or draw, I'm hoping you're going to really enjoy it. 
And in fact, some of my favourite games are games when I've been absolutely thumped, to be honest with you, you know, and, and everything has gone horribly wrong. But we've all had a giggle. We've enjoyed it. And like I say, even when I've been thumped, my opponents normally said, go, that was great fun. But, you know, there was that moment in which I thought it was all going to go horribly wrong. And I thought you had me, you know, um, which is, you know, which is great. Um, so we've been really enjoying that. Well, I, I think I think as a rules writer, I, you know, I've, I've never written a set of rules. I've, I've assisted a little bit with playtests in the past. But as a rules writer, that must be incredibly satisfying. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. People who, who are playtesting to come back with those sort of reports. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what's been nice is we've been playing obviously over lockdown quite a bit. So we've been, I suppose, probably one of the, I don't know if it's one of the first games developed like, over lockdown sort of thing. But we've been playing all our games on uh, Google Meet, um, literally with a, an iPhone and a tripod in my front room every week. Um, and me doing lots of solo playing as well. I've also had a team of. Oh, we've had about 16 regular playtesters who have been doing sort of uh, different things there with their groups or solo playing it through with them. Uh, and it's been exciting because I've been able to do that sort of with people around the world who maybe a few years ago wouldn't have even dreamed of doing it with, you know. So we've had um, we've got uh, some playtesters inside the USA who have been really, really helpful there, which has been absolutely great. So thanks to John Mumby in Colorado who's been playing that over there with his little gang. Uh, we've had people playing with with it from Norway. So uh, Olve has been uh, Olver, sorry, has been playing uh, with us uh, for our weekly Sunday games there. People in Scotland. We've had uh, Kurt Campbell over in Canada who's come and joined a few a couple of our games as well. Um, and we've had uh, Marco over in Italy playing stuff. Um, so it's been a really quite an exciting to have sort of a really international dimension to it. Play with different people around the country who I wouldn't normally play with. Um, Charlie, uh, my pal up in in uh, Scotland in the border area up there, has been playing with me very regularly as well. Um, and he's these sort of people who maybe I wouldn't normally play with. So it's been quite exciting to to get that much wider pool of players and bring them together online and, and experiment with things there. And they really added to the rules. It's been a real team effort here because um, Richard Clark, obviously from Two Fat Lardies, has been helping out with that as well. It's been a great help. Um, Mike Siggins, um, you might remember from War Games Illustrated, who had his Siggins column inside that there, was a, a really, really useful sort of ear and uh, a really re reflective sort of um, uh, guide, I suppose, inside the first couple of months of me writing the set of rules there and really helped us sort of form those out. He was wonderful on that as well. Um, and all these people have sort of chipped in little tiny ideas and rules here and things to make it better. And without those bits of chrome inside them, um, I don't think the rules would be as good as they are now. Um, so I'm indebted to a few of these people for some of their ideas, in particular David Hunter, who came up with this wonderful idea for skirmishers, um, which I was racking my brains over for probably about three or four months trying to get them to work properly. And, and he just came up with one solution, which is just boom, and suddenly it was it was, it was was there exactly how they should be. And um, I've been very fortunate to have such a, a wealth of experience and um just energy and um, enthusiasm coming from people around the world inside it, really. So I've been delighted with that. So it's been really good, been exciting to be part of that. It's, it sounds like it's been a hugely positive experience, the playtesting. But uh, as a first-time rules author for something that you, you're looking to publish as opposed to an article in, in a magazine or something, uh, was, that, was that a nerve-wracking experience to send your baby out into the world and then hear the feedback. I always do that with magazine articles, and I sort of, you, you, you know, you tend to get people 
saying good things about them and then occasionally people say hold on that didn't work and things but I knew with these ones here once I tried them out maybe sort of 20 times that they were worth having a play with sort of thing um, and I, I suppose I've been really fortunate and I suppose I've, I've done quite a lot for I suppose the articles and things with the hobby for quite some time now I've been writing those for maybe 12 years or so and I, like I said, I've been very fortunate to have lots of supportive friends who have given me some very constructive feedback and uh, some comments on how to improve it there. And um, I just feel like a uh, really thankful, really, for those people getting involved and helping me out and, and giving them such positive support for it, really, um, so which has just been just brilliant to be part of. So, yeah, I feel confident about it. And um, uh, quite a few people have had real faith inside me. I think have been willing to invest inside this, which has been great. Like I say, um, Mike has been great at the start. He was absolutely fantastic. And then sort of Richard sort of took it on and sort of really helped me to develop that even further and was sort of willing to uh, commit to have it published through Ricewitz, which was fantastic. And he's brought with him his experience of publishing and sort of advertising and marketing and things out there for it, which... Frankly, I, I'm not experienced inside there. That's not really my forte at all. So I've been really fortunate with uh, Richard's patronage, really, of the project here. It's been very much my project, and he's allowed me to have that freedom there. But he's been incredibly supportive through that. So, again, I'm really sort of indebted to Richard for that. But other people have supported on the sidelines there, like Henry Hyde as well, who's going to be helping us with the design and the layout. Um, he's actually going to be sort of setting out the book itself there. Um, Jasper, of course, at Karawansarai. Um, who's the, sort of the big boss of uh, uh, WSS magazine and Ancient Warfare and things. And they, they've been incredibly generous as well because they they provided us with a, a cover as well. Some of the art illustrations from inside um, Ancient Warfare magazine are going to be gracing the cover there. We've got this absolutely beautiful illustration by um, Igor Deziz, who's um, a, a Russian artist they had from Ancient Warfare. And it uh, got a really stunning cover there for that, which um, Karawansra have let me use, which is beautiful. Um, so I've just been so fortunate in having so many friends inside of the hobby who have sort of just sort of pulled in and said, oh, come on, Mark, I'll help you with that there. Um, Guy down at WSS has been helpful. He's been doing the photographs for me and helping out with a bit of the playtesting. Um, I've got another mate called Nigel Emerson who's down by War Games Club who's been uh, making some of the artwork for the top-down playing cards and things out there. But also it's just this wealth of playtesters who have just got on board there with this and gone yeah come on let's let's give this a go then and people have actually committed saying right i'm gonna make a whole range of miniatures for this crazy crackpot two mil idea i mean that's that's absolutely madness you know because you know three years ago if you just said right we're gonna have a, a two mil battle game you know which is going to recreate ancient battles you know at this scale in two mil you know is this a marketable thing then most people go no no this is a ridiculous idea mark you know throw it in the bin but people have gone, no, I'll tell you what I'll do is I'll actually make a whole range of figures for that. I'm convinced by this, um, which is, again, like I say, I'm, I'm humbled by that, really. You know, I think that's that's just amazing um, that you know, three or four companies have been willing to do that already. And the game isn't even out yet. You know, and we've got I think it's I think it's sorry. I think it's testament to the strength of the hobby at the moment, because I think you're right. Probably five, ten years ago probably nobody would have given it the time of day but because of where we are in the hobby and I've, i'll argue with anybody we're in a golden age of war mm, games we are yeah to get um, the golden age of augustus it's the golden age of uh, war gaming, isn't it? <laughs> it is yeah. and the fact that you've got this international community that you've built up um around the world play testing and assisting 
people committing to assisting with photography, layout, the printing, uh, designing figures for it. it. It's just a real testament to where we are, I think, in the hobby at the moment. Oh, I think so. Uh, but it's interesting because it reminds me of, you know, when I was a kid and I had no money and I was a teenager, you know, if I wasn't playing, you know, Warhammer games, once I'd grown out of that a little bit, it was all about developing games with no money and with whatever toys we had available to play games with, be it one seventy two figures or a handful of six mil figures from um, Heroics and Ross or something that our pocket money would stretch to. Um, and, and we were constantly trying to develop ideas and rules and that kind of thing and play around with them. And I think more recently we've got to a point in which maybe a lot of packeted games are coming out now that are beautifully produced and look great and are of a really high quality. And, you know, they're attracting in lots of new gamers. But I think some of that DIY sort of indie ethic maybe has been thrown out the window and some of that creativity has been. And you see often on these sort of uh, websites, you know, people saying, oh, I'd love to play that, but I didn't realise the figures were, you know, acceptable to use a different company's figures or something. Well, I sort of want to throw that out the window a little bit and say, you know, you can do this yourself. You can make these figures yourself for next to nothing. You can play this and you can paint this all from scratch here. You can go away with my rules and you can say, Mark, that rule there is absolutely rubbish. I want to change it. And you know what? I'd be really delighted if you did that and you went off and did your own thing with them. And, um, you know, you, you made it what you wanted to be there from this. So um, I don't want this to be some sort of um, really tight set of um, uh, you must play it this way type of games. Um, I want people to go out there and be inventive and creative with them and, you know, make it what you will. But I think you're going to find it fun um, and hopefully liberating to do something just so different from your standard battlefield game, which really feels like a big battle. That's the key thing. I, I think the important question then, Mark, is um, when and where can we get hold of this? What, what's, right. the, so what's the timeline the, from here? Now? Right. Well, at the moment, we're currently on schedule at the moment, which is which is good. Uh, Rich has just gone away for a holiday in Devon. But when he gets back at the end of the week, the plan is to start releasing lots of our marketing things for it. So you're going to start seeing on YouTube a whole load of things on Lard TV. We've recorded six gloriously exciting episodes of uh, strength and honor uh with even our own funky theme music and logos and everything on them there so what we'll do is we'll talk you through more about the game there and hopefully get you engaged and excited by that and i think there's also going to be a quite a big battle inside that we're going to recreate the battle of bibracht and uh again that's got quite an exciting finale inside it there um, but I'm not going to give away too much. You'll have to watch it. So that's going to be coming out fairly no, soon. Tell us the ending, um, for God's sake. Oh, no, for goodness <laughs> sake, no. Uh, but you won't be disappointed. Um, so that's that's coming out um, in a few weeks' time. I think probably this weekend, I'm hoping to start, start seeing the first one sort of uh, being lined up and, uh, and put up on YouTube, certainly very soon anyway, at least. Um, and then the plan then is we're aiming at the moment for a, a November release. And we were always aiming on our heads to try and get it out for Salute. Now, Salute's at mid-November time this year round. Um, at the moment, we seem on schedule for that moment. But we've still got a little bit of uh, layout still to do uh, and that kind of thing for it. So it's all written. It's all ready to go, basically. Um, but we've still got a bit of playing around to do with it. Um, but we're aiming for that November release. Uh, we certainly should have it out by, by Christmas time. You'll start seeing things for pre-orders there uh, very, very soon out on the Two Fat Lardies website there. 
and it's being uh, published through uh, Ricewitch Press, which is the sort of the two fat lardies uh, historical big battle um, uh, wing of the company. They're not written actually by Rich or by uh, Nick, um, uh, but basically um, still hopefully uh, really high quality historical big battle rules. So you'll have seen the likes of things like Pickett's Charge and O Group and uh, General Darnley and things coming through that there. So um, uh, you, know, you know the sort of quality of the product that's going to come out from that already you know Dave Brown's already set the standard very high for that and I'm, I'm hoping that we can uh, maintain that that high quality of standard there Richard certainly put faith inside it so I'm confident we can do so that should be out yeah no, no, November time is what we're aiming for then at least uh, it, but the problem with these things here is that there is the potential for things to uh, slow down and delay here and there so I'm not going to put a fine 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 date on it yet for fear that I am um, I put too much pressure on anybody really but uh, that's what we're aiming for at the moment and we're on track for that at the moment and the top secret uh project with, uh, for the figures from this well-known british company uh roughly about the same time you think well, I, I believe i believe that they're also aiming they're aiming for the same time as us i believe so um we're all aiming towards salute fingers crossed we can all sort of uh time it well and all arrive at about the same point there but I know that things are going into production with the moulds, in fact, uh, tomorrow, the moulds for um, for some of those things there. So I know that they're, they're well well on the way there for it. Um, and are you at Salute? Uh, I'm going to be popping my head in at Salute, but I haven't actually got a table there because actually it's the sort of previous year's Salute tables, if that makes sense. Um, it's a bit weird that they've rolled them through, really. And at that point there, I wasn't quite at that point ready to go. But I'm going to be running my first public games bit at Selwig inside its new venue um uh, which is uh lee, lee valley i think it's in i best make sure i get that right there but yeah lee, lee valley i think is uh in london slightly further north than i think it is normally at the leisure center there um and that's on the 27th of october so i'm going to be running through participation games there for that uh sorry sorry 27th apologies the 17th of october sorry at lee 17th apologies at lee valley athletic center uh, in London um, so I'm going to be running participation games there so do please come along and join in and say hello and chuck some dice and shout out homunculus s to your opponents and uh, generally cheer as uh, as I get horribly mauled by whoever I'm up against doubtless can keep running ones um, so that's happening there and I've also been fortunate enough to have uh, I've got an American chum as well um, who's uh, Maurice who's uh, over in um, He's over by Washington direction, and he's going to be at Historicon this year. And he's running a, a battle between Julius Caesar and Ariovistus, the German warlord. And he's running that on Friday and on Saturday of Historicon on the 12th and 13th of November. So that should wow. be pretty much about the same time as it's released. It'll be a couple of, maybe yeah. a week or two um, I don't know, prior to when it's being released, something like that there probably, who knows. Uh, but that'll be a chance for That's around about the time of salute, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I think salute's the, yeah. about the week afterwards, something like that. There. But um, yeah, yeah, so he's running two participation games of that there on the Friday and on the Saturday uh, for six people, I think. Um, but I'm sure you could pop along and stick your nose in and um, peer over and find out a bit more about it because um, I know he's put on a really good setup there as well. And again, a really enthusiastic. Um, supporter all the way through really for the last uh, the last year or so for that so but I'm, again i'm very yeah. thankful for Maurice for running that it's been uh again 
really great to have that support from him. So thanks, Maurice. So we're, we're, there's some very public demonstrations, both sides of the Atlantic, uh, yep. coming up for this, what sounds like uh, an incredible set of rules. Well, I hope so. I hope so. And I, I should be around at other UK shows. The only problem this year is, of course, all the UK shows seem to be bottled into a very small period of time um, between sort of October and um, and uh, November. I think we've managed to cram in all the big major shows, um, all, all about a week apart from each other. And unfortunately, my partner's um, away at the moment. It's been away. For, it's going to be away for about two months. And she basically comes back when all these shows kick off in. So I apologise if I can't go out to everywhere in the UK and, and, and show this off at every single one. But expect to see it at lots of the big shows over the next year or so. Um, and I'm hoping that lots of other people will take up the bath and enjoy the rules and start running their own games as well around the shows. Because, I, I, like I say, I think it's it's very um, quick to pick up, very, uh, very easy to play, but uh, also... Uh, quick enough that you can play out some big battles very, very quickly. So in a day at a show, we could probably play two or three battles, I'm hoping, right the way through, and get lots of people playing and rolling dice and having a laugh. So that's all good stuff. Fabulous. Um, so uh, support-wise, uh, I think you've got a, a active Facebook group for it? Yeah, we've got an active Facebook group, which is called uh, the Official Strength and Honor... Is it War Game? I can't remember, something like that. The Official Strength and Honor War Game... Uh, page and, and on that uh, yeah we're really racing up in numbers at the moment on that we've got 781 members at the moment um, I'm sub 781st yeah considering the rules um, aren't out yet but I think that's yeah. that's really good actually it's been a community that we've built up over the last nine months or so we're sort of yeah. openly sort of uh, touting it a little tiny bit there and like I say people from all around the world at the moment are starting to pick up uh their their green stuff and their MDF bases, or they're um, they're ordering them from some of these other companies here and starting to build up armies. So I'm sort of looking forward to a sudden sort of outburst of uh, Roman civil wars taking place all over the uh, the, the world, from Australia uh, to uh, North America to Europe to even Asia. We've got people uh, who've joined in with it, so um, it should be quite an exciting sort of uh, explosion, I think, of strength and on a gaming yeah. around the world when it's released. I'm hoping. Uh, it's the official strength and honor small scale ancient rules Facebook group, and again, I'll put a, a link. In. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if this if this Henry Hyde came up with the uh, the strength and honor titles, well, I must again doff my cap in his direction. There, he was obviously watching too much Gladiator, and uh, so that's unfortunately replaced Homunculus Est as a title. Um, I was told by Richard that, that uh, Homunculus says they never sell games with Latin titles, he said. Nobody will get that. <laughs> so I apologise for those people who, who thought that was a great name. I, I secretly still love it, but um, yeah. the only time I you get to use it in the game is when you, you get to call out your opponent and you get to call him a little man. And um, uh, So it's still it's still hidden in the rules there somewhere. So just indulge me a little bit if you, if you don't think that's very sensible. But hey, there we go. Mark, it sounds like you've got an absolutely fabulous product on your hands there. And I can't wait to see it out in the, in the wide world. Um, I can't wait to see uh, how, it, how it's uh, developed on from the, the early version that I saw. I'm, I'm going to dig my version out. So I've got, I've got it just over uh, the room from me. I can see it on, on the table. So I'm going to yeah. have another quick look at it. And uh, yeah. I'll, I'll certainly be looking forward to seeing the, the finished copy. Well, it, it, might, it might be in good English by now, if that actually makes sense, with diagrams <laughs> and pictures, which which is always helpful. Um, well, so it, this does is a, help. it does help a bit, yeah. So I think you did have a very early playtest version of it, but 
there's just uh, uh, the amount of time it takes to make these small tweaks and things to rules to get it looking right so that everybody can pick it up and play it is, is massive, actually. And um, I never really appreciated when I was wargame for probably the best part of 35 years now, but I never really appreciated how much time and effort goes into making a set of rules. And I'm now going to have to be really, really polite every time I review any set of rules because I know just the, the passion and love and effort that goes into every single set there. Um, maybe I shouldn't ever review a set of rules ever again, actually, for fear that I might upset people because it just it really does change your, your mindset in terms of uh, understanding how much people do put into their hobbies and how much enjoyment we all get from them. So, um, yeah, thanks to all those people who well do said. do it. Yeah. Well said, mate. And I, I think uh, you've used a word there that is right on the tip of my tongue, the, the passion that you're showing for this project and the period has really come across in the, in the chat today. So um, hopefully, hopefully uh, it's going to be a roaring, I don't see why it won't be, it's going to be a roaring success and we're going to be seeing lots of two mil. Two mil will become the new, the new fad, I think. The new fad, uh, well, uh, yeah. Why not? As uh, as a consequence of this, why not? Yes, we've been through. Why not? Now, well, so. you know, Richard Clark said, you know, after it all, I'll, I'll be bathing in champagne. Um, my current theory is I'm going to be bathing in bathing in baked beans at the moment. Is my current theory. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to enjoy it. Whatever. I'll, I'll revel in those baked beans if required. That's fine. It it's all good it's all good mate thanks thanks so much for uh sharing uh your your news about this wonderful well, it's uh, been an absolute pleasure it's been a pleasure thank you so much for yeah. letting me come on board and um and spew forth about it really because um it's so nice to have your support sean thank you no no absolutely and uh hopefully every listener to this podcast uh goes out and joins the uh, facebook group and we'll get you what was the number you were talking about earlier? Was it about nine? Yeah, uh, well, we've got 781 at the moment, and my aim is by the time it's released, I want to have two cohorts worth of members. Where a full-strength Roman cohort in this period would be 480 men. So I'm looking for 960 members by that point there in time. And at that point there, I can retire back to my province and put my feet up and let my slaves get to work in the fields and eat grapes and drink wine at that point there, knowing I've done a good job. So, so if everybody who downloads this podcast does that, you'll be well into your. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'll into be, the I'll thousands. Be, I'll be living the dream. My old Cincinnati <laughs> yeah. would be marvelous. Yeah. There's your there's your challenge, listeners. Don't let Mark down, please. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Mark, uh, yeah, you've been a guest here before. You know what's coming next. Um, there's there's two requirements of every guest that comes on, whether it's your first appearance or your your 50th appearance, I always ask two questions. One is that you will return to the podcast and have another chat with me at some point in the future. For a third time? Oh, I'll be treated to Sean, yeah. No, that'd be fine. I'd, 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 no, better than fine. I'd love to, Sean. That'd be great. Yes, you'll please. Be, you'll be an exalted company uh, as a third-time visitor. I think there's only two other people who've, visit, who've been with me three times. So uh, let's let's see when we can make that happen. Um, and the, the second one is uh, the Godstone Scale Virtual Library has a space on the shelf uh, for a book or maybe two books. Uh, one book will do. You one know what's coming. Uh, Have you well, got well, last before? time I recommended for you Battles of the, uh, the Greek and Roman World, which I, I could thoroughly recommend, and also Adrian Goldsworthy's... Uh, book on uh, on the roman army at war which are both fantastic reasons if you haven't read those then do make sure you pick them up but this time around i want to go back to uh, you all doing your your latin homework 
Okay, because as a history teacher, I think it's really important that we do a bit of swapping up to fully immerse ourselves inside these periods and actually get the most out of uh, these rules. So I would probably go for an ancient source on Roman battles. Now, we've got lots to choose from, all of which would be really, really good and really engaging. Um, I, uh, I'm, it's a toss up, really, between something by Caesar, uh, either Gallic Wars or the Civil Wars. Uh, Plutarch or Appian and just for the, the, the descriptions of the battles uh, I'm going to go with Caesar I'm going to go with Caesar so if you haven't picked up a, a, a Julius Caesar's either the Gallic Wars or uh, the Civil Wars describing uh, his wars against Pompey uh, Magnus Pompey the Great uh, then I would pick one of those up without hesitation because every chapter is another campaign or another battle, a wonderful insight into a commander's perspective of the battlefield. And actually, of course, written, in fact, largely written, at least in the case of the Civil War, by JC himself, the big man. So um, if, if you haven't picked that up, you know, to go back 2,000 years ago and to uh, you know immerse yourself in a piece of uh, a commander's perspective of the battlefield designed to admittedly as propaganda to read back to the Senate to boast of his achievements. Uh, you, you, you know, you can't go far wrong with a bit of Julius Caesar. Now, if you were tortured at school and had to translate this from Latin, then don't panic because, of course, we've got some rather nice newer translations of it. And I should add, you can get some really, really poor quality translations which don't read very well, which tend to be cheaper on Amazon and things. Go for your standards, a penguin translation of it there, and it'll probably make some sense rather than something translated in 1903 or something, which is a really sort of tortuous read through. And you'll find it engaging straight into the action. And by the time you're up to about chapter three in the Gallic Wars, we've already got a couple of big battles in our hands and some epic clashes, and you'll be utterly immersed. So go for those, get into those sources there. And then you'll get even more out of strength and honor, and all these battles will make a lot more sense than we've got in the um, in the book or the scenarios and things that you can engage in and take part in. Failing that, pick up a bit of Plutarch, and you can read all about Crassus at Carai, or you could find out all about um, uh, Caesar or Sertorius or um, Marius and his battles at Aquae Sextae uh, against the the Germans. Um, or um, you know any of those big characters there, they're all inside Plutarch's uh, Roman lives there, and all inside chapters that you could sort of read before bedtime and go to bed dreaming of being a Roman general. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, class uh, teacher has spoken. There is your homework before I'll, the I'll, I'll want 300, 300 words on it by tomorrow morning on my desk, Sean. Thank you. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> No, I better I get reading. Really <laughs> <laughs> enjoy, enjoy it for the sake of enjoying it. Sort the home yeah. part. Do it because yeah. it's great, you know. I'm, I'm going to be as soon as I've uh, finished this chat, mate. I'm going to seek one of those out. I think the uh, certainly the the Caesar one. I think to to make a start. Uh, Mark, it's been wonderful uh, chatting, and I, I genuinely can't wait to see this in out in the world, and uh, hopefully in my hands at some point, uh, along with the top secret uh, figures that are coming from a British company, or even one of the other two. Uh, well, other I have to say, yeah, the laser cast and the coral stuff are beautiful, beautiful as well, yeah. and uh, you yeah. can have a great experience with those. So, um, yeah. you know, thoroughly recommend as well. Wonderful. 
Okay, Mark, thanks very much for your time and all the best with Strength and Honour and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks ever so much, Sean, and thanks for all you're doing for the hobby as well, just keeping the flame alive, particularly during the lockdown period when we've all been feeling a bit glum. And it's also you know, great that you're supporting so many diverse scales and uh, so many different experiences in gaming which everybody enjoys and keeping promoting that. So keep up the good work, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Hobby-wise, I continue to paint mainly 15mm Peter Pig. I'm running an event at Battlefield Hobbies in Daventry on the 9th of October called AK-47 Reloaded Trouble Brewing, using the Peter Pig AK-47 rules, set in my own imagination of Umbongo. So far we've got 13 players, but room for more, and details will be in the show notes. I recently took part in the Society of Ancients Battle Day in Newbury last month, which was great fun. The theme was the Battle of Bosworth, and I think there were 10 or 11 tables, all refighting Bosworth using different sets of rules. And a group of us from the Peter Pig gang refought the battle twice on two tables using the Peter Pig Bloody Baron rules. I think we may have been the only ones to actually finish our games, and in fact we got uh, two games in on each table. And my claim to fame was Killian Richard in both games, but I won't bung on about that too much. Suffice to say, it was a good day of gaming with like-minded people. As my AK-47 day draws near, I'm busy preparing scenery and a few figures here and there. In fact, I've painted an entire army in one day for it, uh, two or three days ago, just to show it can be done. I'll hold no truck with people who say they can't do it or have no time. With a couple of quick techniques and two four-hour sessions over the course of one day, it was easily doable, so give it a try. Okay, that's enough from me. As ever, thanks for listening. Thanks to my Patreons for keeping the lights on here in God's Own Scale Towers. Until next time, stay safe, play nice, and keep talking about, well, whatever God's Own Scale means to you. Goodbye. Brother Bertie went away to do his bit the other day. With a smile on his lips and his left ten and fifth upon his shoulder, right and gay. As the train moved out, he said, remember me to all the birds. Then he wagged his paw and went away to war, shouting out these pathetic words. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, I'm a dear baby, dear from your eye. Though it's hard to pass, I know, I know. I'll be sicker than death, it goes so bright. Don't die. There's a silver lining in the sky. Oh, ma, oh, sin, kill, yo, chin, chin, na, boo, to glue, goodbye. Compton down at you, some convalescent dressed in blue. 
Actor here, Lady Lee, who had turned 83, sing all the old, old songs she knew. Then she made a speech and said, I look upon you boys with pride. And for once you've done, I'm going to kiss each one. Then they all grabbed their sticks and cried. Goodbye, goodbye. Oh, and the dear baby, dear, from your eyes. Though it's hard to part, I know, I know. I'll be sicker than death to go. Don't cry, don't cry. There's a silver lining in the sky. Called it Pink Dog for fun, then Paddy punched him on the door. Right across the barbed wire fence, the German dropped in a deer, oh dear. All the wire gave away, and Paddy yelled, hooray, as he ran for the Dutch frontier. Goodbye, goodbye, oh, I said, dear baby, dear from your eyes. Though it's hard to pass, I know, I know, I'll be. Nicola, let's go, don't cry, don't cry, there's a silver lining in the sky, on far old things, cheerio, kin, 